Anessa here with Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin. We're sitting on the main stage at Portland Center Stage to talk a little bit of Irving, really considered one of the most prolific and greatest songwriters in our history, and he pretty much owns the Great American Songbook. First and foremost, he was a Russian-born Jewish immigrant arriving here with his family at the age of five in 1893. In his first impression, was the Statue of Liberty, and he remembered it very distinctly, and in fact devoted an entire show to it later on in life called Miss Liberty, where he told the story of the model of the statue. It didn't do very well with the public, but in fact uh, it was just it is something that meant something to him. I mean, his contributions to American lore, to American history, was something that was very, very relevant to him. His daughters told me that it wasn't a matter of just social climbing or finding some kind of position in the United States. It really was his being grateful for all the opportunity that America had given him uh, to see through his career, to make a life for his family, and of course to be so beloved in the end. His first hit, Alexander's Ragtime Band, I love how uh, it, it was a dance craze that it initiated bordering on mania and uh, I can't think of the last time that we had a dance craze uh, what is it twerking I guess <laughs> but, I think it was, you know, I think I mean, it was uh, Ricky Martin wasn't it with Vida Loca or one of those Vida things. Loca it might have been yes but for that dance craze to travel back to Russia even well, what was fascinating was that he was able to capture the sounds and the feeling of a country and influence it. Uh, he was able to speak it back in music. He was just naturally able to absorb what was around him until he wasn't any longer at the appearance of Elvis, and that really caused his decline and made him a very unhappy man at the end of his life. So it's a good emotional story, too, that I think resonates with people in the notion of, you know... Um, you contribute your whole life and then you get to a certain point and you still have more to contribute, but somehow it's not being bought by the public wholesale. And this upset him. I mean, he had a lot more to say, but it wasn't something that people were interested in. The culture really shifted, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of different ways. Well, what is remarkable that for 60 years he was a leader and then, I mean, culture had shifted throughout, but suddenly um, in his 70s it just evaporated for him mm -hmm. and yet so much so to the point where we think that God Bless America is a folk song we don't know that it was composed by somebody who died in 1989 so uh, it's remarkable and it was a remarkable career but he was a genius there's no question talk about what it is that created this vision from a very early age to create songs that were able to touch the heart and you know in a way you've talked about that that he was so appreciative you've been using his words on the stage his story how do you distill that magic uh, that we still feel today and you know from there's no business like show business to god bless america which you just mentioned that i had to be reminded he wrote that uh, it's a very patriotic song indeed it is and i think the issue with him is not that he distilled um, these things, but he somehow hooked into writing stories for the people. And he always said that from the very beginning. He said that his goal, his intent, was not to write for the high class who have their own snooty idea of what America is or the very low class or the people who don't care about anything. It was about the people who made this country. And I think what he hooked into, which was the most relevant thing, is that 
he hooked into the idea of stories and how stories really connect people. And telling those stories is what he did in his songs. If you look to pretty much every song, even the silly ones from the beginning, they all tell stories. And so much so that that made them, I wouldn't say easy, but easier to use in theatrical form in order to tell a story on a stage because they all told stories. It's, uh, you know, I don't know if it could be created today, a song like this, but let's talk about White Christmas. It remains one of my, our most cherished holiday songs to this day, and yet history behind it is so stunning in that it was broadcast just shortly uh, after Pearl Harbor. Well, it actually began as something else. That was its second iteration. It actually began um, in terms of Irving Berlin. He lost his child on Christmas Day. The second born was died a crib death on Christmas Day, and Christmas to him was always something very meaningful. And when he took on Holiday Inn, he realized that he needed a great song, but that song had actually been written in 1938. It had actually been written before. So it wasn't written for what we think it was written for in 1941 or 42 at the, time of the, at the time of bombing of Pearl Harbor. It was written quite a bit earlier at the Beverly Hills Hotel. He obviously was a songwriter, and anything that was a good popular idea was something that he did. But that had a very personal um, feeling for him because Christmas always meant something to him. In fact, until their end, he and his wife visited the tomb of this little boy who died in his third week on Christmas Day, which is very touching. They would open the presents in the morning with the family, and then they would go to the cemetery. So White Christmas is replete with, for the Berlin family, of very meaningful things. And later on with America, um, when Bing Crosby sang it, you know, in uh, Holiday Inn, and it became the, the theme for those who were overseas who wanted to come home and were dreaming about that. That's a very touching connection. I mean, that was happenstance that that happened. He didn't plan it, obviously, but um, still remarkable. You've created uh, some amazing shows, uh, music shows for the stage, and most recently, The Pianist of Wilsdon Lane, which is a true story in a different direction than it crosses some roads that, that Irving Berlin crossed. But turning to your show, to be on stage and channel a master like Irving Berlin, how do you prepare yourself? What do you do uh, to get into that headspace? Well, I don't view this as magic, you know, it's not, you don't get into a headspace with this, you spend your whole life learning how to do it when it's time to do it, uh, and it's very important to do that. Uh, there isn't a wand that you wave, but you spend your entire life learning and training, and Irving Berlin is oddly one of the easier characters to come by because he's a natural storyteller. Um, unlike the current one, Tchaikovsky, which is uh, I'm working on, which is uh, taking the wind out of me, both musically and character-wise. Uh, but you spend your whole life figuring out how to tell stories on a stage, and when you finally get to the meat and potatoes of it, the idea is to talk to your audience, especially in these one-man things. And it's not a headspace. You know, it's, acting is not, is not something where you go to. It's, it's an illusion. And the thing is, is to find the pieces that tell the illusion 
that uh, no to find the pieces that tell the story so that the illusion can be complete when the audience see it and it's all very technical until you let go of all that preparation you allow it to happen there's nothing here that happens with a magic wand so um, like every actor I spend time before the performance getting dressed and putting on the makeup and you know you review your first lines and you know immediately where your head needs to go when it's time to be there and it's on point and on call and that's what it means to be a professional it's constant work I think there's a, a synchronicity about this particular show because he was so grateful for what this country gave him uh, and his story is about achieving the American dream really for those who maybe weren't the upper echelon as you were telling me uh, in our nation of immigrants and this can't be more timely yet you began this show a year ago? How, oh, how? Two years ago. Two years ago. It had its premiere in 2014 at the mm -hmm. Geffen Theater in Los Angeles. Um, well, the story is always relevant, that it's become more relevant. It's not that it's become more relevant, it's that elements of the story um, are now forefront, you know, and I've always said, what would the Christians sing? on holidays if Irving Berlin wasn't allowed into the country because of some wall. You know, it's a very fascinating question. Um, I obviously fall on the side of, of what our current prime minister in Canada said at the United Nations the other day is that diversity is a great thing. Diversity is something you celebrate. It's what makes everything stronger. It doesn't make it weaker. And without diversity, you know, I mean, everything becomes one color and what's that? And no color is one color, you know? I mean, the th glorious thing about a tapestry that's red is that it's got thousands of reds in it to make it vibrant. Um, so it's, it's you know, it's, we're living in, I think, complicated times is what we're living in, if you want to say anything about it. So. I can't think of a better show to see and the music to hear than this story of Irving Berlin, both the, the songs, the great American songbook, which I feel like he practically wrote himself single-handedly, and uh, to be reminded of his stories, as you've been telling me. Mm. And I know that you can't possibly decide what a favorite story might be, but is there one that makes you welcome that moment, like, ah? You know, there's so many that are so relevant but, uh, you know, it's, it's ultimately, it's the discovery that within every song is a personal story. So it's not just one, and it's not just at one point in a play, oh, that's a favorite moment. What is really wonderful is that within every song, and certainly the ones that we've chosen to present within the context of this play, it reveals something about the man. And... I think the one that is a surprise to everyone, including to me, so I won't say it's my favorite, but it certainly was a surprise, and I love it very much, is that most people think his song, Supper Time, is about some woman whose husband left her for some broad in a brothel or something. Who knows what? But it's not. It's actually written for A Thousandth Cheer in 1933, and it was written for Ethel Waters based on the fact that that year there had been 24 lynchings in the South. And he devised a way to address that in a play by having this African-American woman who had never been on Broadway, who didn't have any marquee title at that time, to sing a song about her husband who will not be coming home for dinner. And how does she set the table and what does she say to her children? 
And some of the lines in that, you know, how can I tell them to pray at their humble board? How can I thank them when they want to thank the Lord? How can I tell them to thank the Lord? You know, these kinds of lines, and you sort of imagine just how deeply he felt this. And he felt it, you know, when people say, oh, he was just trying to be popular. And I say, well, no, it wasn't 2016 in 1933 doing such a song um, in an African-American vein like that was not about being popular, and it certainly wasn't about being in blackface and doing a minstrel show. It was largely unpopular, and you did it at great risk to your work and your career, and yet he felt it was important because he understood what it meant to be on the outside, which is the way he lived his entire life. And so I think the revelation of who he was via what was important to him, and this is not mentioned in the show, but the critics told him to get rid of the song, that it had no business in an entertainment. And he refused. He said that song stays in the show, and anybody can scream and yell, but that song stays there, and we're going to talk about this. And that, to me, is about character. And ultimately, what you see with Irving Berlin is a tremendous amount of character. Hershey Felder, cutting right to the heart of the matter when it comes to Irving Berlin, an artist with character. Director for Hershey Felder is Irving Berlin. Trevor Hay was sitting with us as well during our conversation. So it was a chance to go behind the scenes of how this show came together. Uh, grabbed uh, Trevor onto the stage, and uh, we had the chance to talk about how this show came to life. Directing uh, a one-man show like this, what are you thinking when you put it together, especially with somebody as prolific and with so much musical history and musical theater history as Irving Berlin has. Well, it's... And you um, have so much at your disposal, oh, absolutely, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he, he lived 101 years, wrote over 2,500 songs, so uh, it's pretty daunting. Hershey decides um, on what we're going to be doing, and then he starts diving into the research. We have a great team. It takes... There's one man on stage, but there are, you know, a dozen of us backstage. Uh, making that happen in, in all the departments and all the different areas. and But Hershey will will dive in and start doing research and start framing a story. And if the if the songs don't lend themselves to the storytelling without the book, you know, if you've seen a musical without a good book, you, you don't really go away, you know, you might hum for a day or two, but then it doesn't resonate. And he'll do the research, he'll find the story, he'll find the spine of the play, and then we fill in. And then we edit, and we edit, and we edit. And uh, it's, it's a tremendous gift for me to have a, an actor and a performer and a writer and a pianist as experienced and as professional and as under, understanding as, as Hershey. Because he makes, my, he makes me look good. He makes my job easy. We have, a, we have a very short notation between us. It's very efficient. And then we'll bring it to the design team. And Hershey and I typically do, uh, he and I did the design for this show. And he comes up with a concept, and we'll put it together. And then we build it and we make it. Our video, we have great video, great audio, our lighting, our lighting design team, everything, everybody's great. And then we, we just whittle it down till it's, to its essence. So that our, our first performance of uh, Irving Berlin was two hours and 20 minutes. And we decided, well, that's a little, that's a little long. <laughs> that's a, we're asking a lot. It's not, you know, Lord of the Rings. So we, uh, uh, we got it down to 145. And, it's, and I think right now, after a couple of years, it's, it's really found its, its stride. And, uh, and Hershey just inhabits him. It's, it's, so, it's so gratifying to watch him because it's, it's so natural. And, you know, his, da- his daughters have all seen the play. And a, l- a lot of Irving's family, but his daughters in particular um, told Irving Berlin's Absolutely, daughters. all three daughters. They've become huge fans and huge friends of Hershey's and, and of mine. 
um, we're, we're very grateful to say, and they, and they have told him that he became Irving, that, that oh, daddy was up there. And there's nothing better. I mean, that's the most gratifying, that's the most rewarding thing that you can hear, hear someone say. That's the biggest gift. Yeah, that's great. I would think that the other challenge that I would think would be that we are so familiar with countless of his songs that we didn't yeah. realize that he wrote. Sure. That as an audience member, I want to start humming along immediately. Yeah, well, you but know. But yet you make those choices as to what. Absolutely. And then, you know, Hershey, Hershey invites people to sing along at, during the show. There are several points, you know. The, uh, it's not hard to get them started. It's hard to get them t to stop. <laughs> and they want to sing every song from once we start that. But yeah, it's, um, you know, he, he wrote for America. He wrote for all of us. And so it's natural you want to sing them. And so instead of fighting that, or we, or we just invite it in. You know, and that's, that's part of Hershey's brilliance. As he talks about that relationship with the audience, that direct connection. And there's a Hershey experience that's hard to... Describe until you just come in and experience it for yourself. So, I can't think of a, a bigger gift in 2016 Ugh. than this kind of show Absolutely. right on yeah. spot. Thank yeah. you so much. Of course. Thank you.